Welcome to the Blackhawks Talk Podcast with James DeVoe, Charlie Romeliotis. I am Pat Boyle. On this edition, it's all about Eddie Olchek and his departure from the Blackhawks broadcast booth after 16 seasons. We'll hear from Edzo as I went one-on-one with him. Why did this happen? Could it have been avoided? Could a deal somehow gotten done at the last minute? And who might replace Edzo? It's all coming up next on the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Blackhawks Talk Podcast with Charlie Romeliotis, James Nouveau. I'm Pat Boyle. Uh, for those of you watching on our YouTube channel, welcome. We are here at the palatial NBC Sports Chicago <laughs> studios next to the Merchandise Mart in gorgeous downtown Chicago. <laughs> Traffic is lovely this time of year. <laughs> we'll not get into that. Uh, big story, guys, breaking yesterday. Eddie Olchek done after 16 seasons in the Blackhawks broadcast booth. There was an offer on the table. Two sides could not come to an agreement. Eddie decided to part ways, and he's going to accept uh, another position elsewhere. Just your initial thoughts on Eddie O not being in that broadcast booth. Yeah, I'm going to get into specifics a little bit later to kind of lay out what exactly happened between both sides. Um, But I think just my initial reaction, I'm sure Chicago's fans' reaction, is just kind of like a little bit of a gut punch, Um, especially when you're going into a rebuild. I think... You want that familiar voice and that comforting voice in, in Edzo and and watching broadcasts. You want to feel like they're kind of guiding you through some trying times in the organization that's going to be um, a couple years, given the fact that they lost to Brinkett and Kirby Doc, and they really stripped down the roster. Uh, so I think it's just going to be difficult for, for Chicago to, to kind of look, watch broadcasts next year and not only see um, that Pat Foley won't be there, but also Eddie Olchek, who's been a, a familiar voice in this town, uh, for a really long time. It's it's just going to be a strange sight uh, for, for Chicago to kind of get used to next year. Yeah, I mean, it's demanding the fans take in a lot of change at once, and I'm glad you mentioned Pat Foley because that was one of the first thoughts I had was that Pat Foley's already gone, and now to have Edzo leave as well, that's a lot for fans to take in. And the fact that Edzo's been along for that ride these last 16 years and has been through so many ups and downs with this team, has been there when they've won the three Stanley Cups, there's a lot of really good memories attached to him. And I think from a fan base perspective, it's just really hard to kind of lose that guy that's been there through all of that and during this time of transition to have that added on on top of it it caused a lot of I think uh sadness in the Blackhawks fan base and rightfully so it's a crazy thing to talk about Edzo not being on the broadcast next year you could argue that when the team is going and winning cups and competing for championships that anybody and everybody will watch the broadcast that's that's when the uh you know the Johnny come lately's come the people who like a party you know mm-hmm. be a part of it and you can almost say that you know it doesn't matter who's behind the mic and I don't agree with that but I I, w- I think you could say that it's probably more important in a rebuild to have a trusted voice who can help navigate the fan base 
through this call-up or why they're going to the zone coverage in the D zone yeah. or, you know, what type of player Kyle Davidson is looking for. Not that the, the person that eventually takes uh, Edzo's spot is, is not going to do that, but that's where you kind of, uh, you got to kind of have maybe some equity with the fan base. Did, did what happened yesterday shock me? It didn't shock me only because, you know, for years, Eddie has been rumored to be up for jobs, whether it's front office jobs, um, general manager jobs, uh, assistant GM jobs, president of hockey ops, uh, you know, his name had been bantered about around here when the changes were made. You know, he's part of, of the, uh, you know, the search committee, so to speak. But, you know, even with knowing for years that there's always been an opportunity probably to take Eddie away from Chicago, when it finally came to be on Monday and it went public, it was not, like you're saying, a gut punch. It was a shock. It, mm-hmm. was, it was just, it was like, and then, then you hear the reports later saying, you know, it's Seattle. And it's like, Seattle, Chicago, <laughs> you know, the guy who was drafted here at age 16 and started his right. career here and the Clydesdale line and came back at the end of his career. And it just didn't think it would go down like that. Yeah, and that's, I think, that the toughest part to swallow because it's not like Eddie Olchek was kind of convinced that, you know what, I'm going to, after the season, I'm going to move on and pursue other opportunities. Like if he even said in your radio, in your, in your interview um, or one of the interviews that he was like, I, at the end of the season, I expected to be back. Right. So I think that's where, that's where it can be difficult to swallow. Cause it wasn't like, this is kind of like, Hey, Eddie's going to play out the rest of his contract. Then he's going to pursue different opportunities. It just feel like, you know, there, there was stuff that went down in between that kind of led to this point, and that's what made it a real gut punch because it felt like it didn't need to get to this point. Right, and you also had the element where it could have been a front office job or a coaching gig that could have potentially led him away from that, I think. Fans would have been a lot more understanding of that, too, if he had been, look, I had this opportunity to run the front office of so-and-so. I'm going to pursue it, you know, only have limited time amount of time in this game that would have been more understandable right like that's the way I kind of felt about it the fact that he's leaving I'm not going to call it a lateral move just because I really like John Forslund and I think they've put together a dynamite uh, play-by-play team up in Seattle like that is fantastic but it's the fact he's not moving on to one of those types of jobs I think that makes it even more jarring so I had the opportunity to go uh, one-on-one with Eddie Olchek on Monday afternoon this is after he met with Rocky Wirtz, Danny Wirtz, Jamie Faulkner Uh, inform them of uh, his decision. And uh, this was the conversation I had with Eddie Olchek uh, announcing his departure from the Blackhawks after 16 years in the broadcast booth. Edzo, how difficult was this decision to leave the Blackhawks broadcast booth? Well, PB, uh, you know, you're a big part of the broadcast uh, holding down the fort uh, as uh, is our uh, anchor uh, on pre and post and uh, intermissions. And uh, it was uh, a decision that I wrestled with for a while. Uh, I had a great meeting earlier today with, with Rocky, with Rocky Wirtz, and had a, uh, a great meeting with uh, Danny, Danny Wirtz and, and Jamie Faulkner, and just expressed to them that uh, I felt that uh, at this particular time, it was best for me to step away and, uh, you know, there was a contract uh, uh, offer on the table. Uh, this is my decision. 
I'll make that perfectly clear. This was my decision. Uh, I'm not going to get into the weeds. I'm not going to go down any rabbit hole or anything like that. This uh, sometimes a negotiation and a contract, uh, you just can't come to terms. And for me, ultimately, uh, with my family and uh, my closest uh, uh, people in my life, I just came to a decision where I think it would be best for me to take a step back. And it's been an unbelievable run. Uh, having that conversation with Rocky today, it was uh, nothing that I would expect anything else from from Rocky and his family, who have been just unbelievable to me, PB, and my family over the years. And, uh, you know, we reminisced a little bit, and I'll leave it at that. But uh, I'm just very thankful for the opportunity to have been sitting in that chair for 16 years and uh, being in my hometown and uh, calling so many Blackhawk games from the United Center and uh, and traveling with the team and just going to miss all the relationships. But uh, those will continue. And uh, But for me, uh, it was a tough decision. But for now, uh, again, this is my decision. Uh, I'm going to walk away and explore other opportunities and, uh, and, and go on from there. So uh, just, but again, I'm just want to say to the fans, it's been an honor to call games for as many years as I did. And uh, this will always be my home. Uh, and I'm just so proud to have represented the Blackhawks. And as I've said many a times, uh, I will die a Blackhawk. And uh, it was very difficult to come to come to terms with making this decision. But make it perfectly clear, PB, uh, this was my decision uh, to, uh, to step back uh, away from Blackhawk hockey. And look, we respect that decision, and we don't want to get into the details of your negotiations with the team, but could you, could you shed some light? Was this about the length of the contract that the Hawks offered you? Was, was that the, the crux of the issue? Look, there's lots of rumors and speculation going out there, PB. Uh, I, I, I would rather not all due respect, pal. I, I, I'm, like I said, uh, negotiations are hard. At the end of the day, it is always about money and term. I mean, that's just the reality of the world that we live in. Um, so that's as far as I'm going to go on that. But uh, for me, I just uh, decided that uh, uh, I needed to take a step back and have that honest conversation with Rocky and Danny. And and uh, it wasn't easy for sure. It was very emotional. And uh, uh, but again, just very appreciative for the last 16 years. Look, at I've I lived a dream in my hometown. You know, I mean, I grew up a Hawk fan. I came in here as a rookie in '84 and came back at the end of my career and then came back as a broadcaster in 2006 and have been sitting in that chair. So, um, but look at negotiations are not easy. Um, they're difficult uh, and uh, decisions have to be made. So again, uh, this was, uh, uh, this was on my terms. This was, uh, you know, me making the decision. And I think both sides certainly, I think expected to get a, comp- uh, a contract done PB, but, um, that's probably as far as I'll, uh, I'll go on that part. You talked about the conversation you had with Rocky, Danny Wirtz, and Jamie Faulkner. Uh, in that dialogue today, was there any last-ditch effort to try and keep you here today? Uh, um, what, what we talked about, at least from my, my side, I, I think we'll, we'll stay behind closed doors, the conversations that I had with, with, with all three of them, Rocky, Jamie, and Danny. Um, but, you know, look, at I... I I initiated the meeting to uh, explain my thought process and, and, and what my feelings were. And um, so, uh, you know, that everything that happened behind closed doors, uh, I would uh, feel very strongly anticipate that it, it, it will stay behind closed doors. There are several reports out there about your next step. Can you confirm where you'll be broadcasting next season? 
Uh, well, I know I got my TNT gig as far as I know anyways, um, doing national games. But uh, look, at I, I certainly want to work PB. I certainly want to do games. And I think it's very important. I don't know if I would be as effective if I'm only doing one game a week. But, um, you know, I think uh, in time, you know, there there have been some conversations with, with uh, you know, with, with other teams and possibility of some roles. But, um, you know, I know there's lots of rumors and speculations and ties and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that stuff will eventually work itself out. But um, like I said, I, I just am so thankful and grateful for the opportunity that I had to, to be at home for all of these years. And, um, you know, my family has been there every step of the way. And, and know that this was not an easy decision. You know, when I drove down to the United Center today and I left there at 1.27 p.m., um, it just was, uh, you know, just reminiscent about all the unbelievable times of, of representing this franchise in this city. And uh, I uh, will be forever grateful for that opportunity. And I lived the dream. And look, in all, all due respect, the world that we're living in now, this is, you know, I want to put everything in perspective here. We... There are a lot of things going on in the world that are obviously way more important than, you know, with with this news of me uh, taking a step back from the Blackhawks. But uh, I just want everybody to know that I uh, I loved every second of representing this franchise. And uh, as I said, I, I, I will continue to do that and proud and uh, will uh, I hold my head up high and in, 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 in having talked to Rocky and Danny face to face and um, and and uh, in, in leaving on, I think, in, in, in very good terms. You and Pat Foley were the soundtrack to three Stanley Cups here. Uh, it's probably impossible to pick one, but do you have a, a favorite memory or a couple that, that yeah. come to mind? Well, uh, I mean, the praise were something that's, uh, that I think were just something that I always dreamed about as a young kid, PB, wondering, you know, what would it look like in our city if the Blackhawks won a Stanley Cup? Um, and then having lived it and, and broadcast those games on NBC uh, and then being a small part of the celebration and, uh, you know, very envious and very jealous that I never got the opportunity to celebrate it uh, as, a, as a player uh, or as a coach or any kind of position like that. But, um, you know, I think those those runs. But, you know, look, I'm, I'm about the people like yourself, PB, that were part of this team. The people at NBC Sports Chicago were absolutely incredible to me and my family and, and Kevin Cross and John Shipman and the entire staff there. And, you know, you being the captain there on air, but then also too, you know, the, the opportunity of, uh, of doing those games and getting the relationships with the players, you know, having a conversation with Patrick Kane was not an easy conversation with Kaner. It was not an easy conversation to have it with a couple of former Blackhawks that uh, have retired now and moved on. Uh, the trainers, uh, who are the lifeline of a hockey player and a hockey team. And um, that was really difficult. Brian Higgins and just the entire organization. And then, you know, the fans uh, would never, I don't know how I'll ever be able to thank them enough just for how they treated me. And hopefully uh, the feeling is mutual the other way, but um, you know, and then having that conversation with, with Rocky and Danny um, uh, it's, it's been a blast, but uh, it's uh it's time to turn the, you know, time to turn a new chapter and and uh, uh, and, and move on and uh, and just realize that the memories are always going to be there. You know, you can actually look at it from being a, a, a Chicagoan who was a sports fan once upon a time and and cheered for the Cubs and the Blackhawks, and you had a connection 
to the broadcasters when you were a kid, and then you ended up yeah. getting to sit next to to Pat. Yeah. You, you know that you have this connection with this fan base, and mm-hmm. I certainly think your battle with colon cancer really uh, heightened that bond, and it was something that uh, you shared uh, with the fan base, and they went through that difficult journey with you. As I said, I could not have done it by myself with uh, the team of doctors, uh, obviously with my wife, Diana, who was there every step of the way, and my family and my friends. Um, With the numerous uh, support that I had, I I could not have done it by myself. And uh, the organization from Rocky and obviously John McDonough and Jay Blunt were at the forefront of that over the the time when I was sick and and, uh, treated me unbelievable and gave me every opportunity to get healthy and knew what was important. And I'll be forever grateful to that. Um, But the fans, uh, they lived it with me and trying to give back to the community and other people that are ill and going through battles doesn't have to be cancer. It could be anything. And I think very relatable. And I tried to, I wish I could have hit under a rock BB. And, and, uh, I think that was my initial goal, but I thought, you know what, I'm glad I'm the one that got sick and there was a reason for it. And, uh, I just tried to help and, 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 uh, and share that journey with people and, and be as honest and transparent as I possibly could because of that and it maybe helped somebody along the way regardless of what it was so um thank you is not enough but uh i am uh, forever uh, grateful and and uh, appreciative of the support that i got not only as a broadcaster and a former player of this great franchise but also as a a cancer battler and a cancer survivor and uh, i'm just uh i was just one of those uh many journeys of being in that chair for 16 years and obviously it was the toughest of my life but as i said it uh you know we did it we beat cancer and obviously pat foley being there every step of the way to help me through and uh all my great friends as well but um that was uh that was a, a real special time obviously i was scared and uh going through a battle but when you're in so-called in the public ipb um it's hard to it's hard to hide and it's hard to run from it but i thought if i could just help one person uh, along the way, then uh, then I then I did some good by being open and transparent as I possibly could. You certainly helped more than one person uh, when you went public with that. I can tell you tonight, there are plenty of, as we put this in Edzo terms, unhappy humans <laughs> in the Chicagoland area. I'm going to miss you as a teammate. Uh, you didn't get the send off that Pat Foley did, the toast at the United <laughs> Center. So I'm just going to give you the floor right now. The floor is yeah. yours. Anything you want to say to Hawks fans? Yeah, no, I, I just, uh, thank you. Um, I hope that you were entertained. I hope that you learned. I hope that you know how much I, I love this franchise. And until we, uh, until you hear me call another game, uh, I, I tip my hockey helmet to all of you and, uh, just everybody to understand that uh, I'm at peace with my decision and uh, the Blackhawks are, they've got a plan. Uh, and uh, I think they know where they were, where they are and where they're trying to get to. And uh, I understand that it's uh, going to be some tough times, but uh, I wish them the best of luck. And, uh, but I just want to say thank you for the opportunity. And again, thank you to uh, Rocky and Danny Wirtz for their unbelievable support over the years. And uh, 
uh, it's been it's been fun. 16 years is a long time, PB, and uh, um, I'm very proud of, uh, of 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 how I did my job. And uh, hopefully, people, like I said, were entertained because at the end of the day, yes, wins and losses are important, but at the end of the day, uh, as the great Pat Foley would say, regardless of the outcome, hopefully you enjoyed the broadcast. Uh, I thank everybody for uh, for supporting me and watching me and, and all my endeavors, both on and off the ice. On behalf of Blackhawks fans everywhere, thank you, Edzo. Love you, brother. Love you too, PB. Thanks, pal. So our thanks to Eddie Olchek, who uh, graced us with his time on Monday on a very emotional day for him. So how, how did we get here, Charlie? You've been able to, to talk to different people on uh, both sides of the ledger here. Yeah, I spoke to multiple sources to try to piece together what exactly happened here. And I, I think, let's talk about this. In prior contracts, when Eddie Olchek was up, uh, he, he never played out the final year of his contract without having some sort of extension in place. Uh, so like, it, it never got to a point where Eddie was going into the final year of his deal and he wasn't sure where he stood with the organization. So I will say... The, the Blackhawks did reach out to Eddie Olchek, to my knowledge, in early June to kickstart contract negotiations. And there was a back and forth. I believe the Blackhawks had an original offer. Edzo countered. Um, the two sides spoke a little bit again. And then the Blackhawks made their counter offer. And then I talked to Eddie Olchek uh, for NBCSportsChicago.com after his decision to leave. And he acknowledged and admitted that there was a contract offer on the table. And the Blackhawks and you know him... They couldn't come to an agreement on a contract. Now, I think the fact that the the contract talks got off to such a late start uh, probably played a factor. And I kind of compare it to like if you're trying to uh, negotiate with a with a, a player. Like, just think about you know, take Calgary and Johnny Goudreau for for an example. You want to get him locked up as soon as possible, right? Like, because the closer he gets to free agency, the more inclined he's going to try to be. Like, oh, you know, I, I want to see what opportunities are out there, right? Obviously, he flees and, and goes elsewhere. The final offer on the table, what I heard was it was a five-year deal, but it was only two years guaranteed because there was uncertainty about the television deal with NBC Sports Chicago beyond that. So there was no guarantee beyond that. So the reports out there that there was a five-year deal uh, on the table is true. I don't believe that only two of it was guaranteed. So I think that's where um, the Blackhawks countering to, to Edzo's camp and Edzo sitting on that offer I spoke to a team source. They thought they were kind of waiting on a verbal or uh, waiting on a signature. So they, they thought they had a verbal agreement in place. I don't doubt that the Blackhawks felt that. I just think there might have been a miscommunication between uh, the Blackhawks thinking that it was finalized and Edzo's camp thinking, you know, I, I'm not sure that I agree with the fine print of the, the details. It's my understanding Seattle reached out in, towards the end of the season, correct? Or what, what, yes. do you have the date? So uh, I don't have the date, but I was told that Seattle requested permission from Chicago before his contract expired on June 30th. So, and the, and the Blackhawks allowed Edzo to talk to Seattle. So, so the Blackhawks granted Edzo permission to talk to Seattle prior to his contract expiring. Once you do that, um, a lot of things are in play. Um, and you send some messages too. Number one, and look, it can go both ways. It could be the Blackhawks saying, look, we don't want to stand in your way if you truly want to go, right. say, be with your brother and, yep. and your son who's a scout there or whatever. Also, you can look at it as, they don't, they don't want me. Uh, yeah. they're, they're allowing me to go test the waters and see what's out there. So, like, when, when we talked to Edzo yesterday and, and, and the sense we got from both sides is they wanted to get a deal done, if you wanted to get a deal done, get a deal done and don't allow 
Edzo to take an interview with another team or talk to? Because it wasn't, in my understanding, it wasn't just Seattle that there was interest in, in Edzo. There was another team as well. Sure. Well, I mean, you, you hear that all the time, especially in like NFL head coaching and free agency. You don't let the guy get out your front door without accepting an offer, essentially. You hammer out a deal. You don't let him get on a plane and go somewhere else, right? That's a pretty common maxim in sports, and clearly that's you know what happened here. The Blackhawks let him go out and get those other offers, and as, as you put really well, Pat, like you, if you want a deal done, just get it done. Like There's a certain point where you can't just keep saying, well, we tried. It's like got to get it across the finish line. Right. The sticking point of the two-year guaranteed versus what my understanding is is a five-year guarantee from Seattle is significant here. Yep. So, and you mentioned it when you were discussing, the Blackhawks, the White Sox, and the Bulls have a TV deal in place with NBC Sports Chicago that runs two more seasons. So the next two seasons, the Blackhawks will play on NBC Sports Chicago. Where they play beyond there, we don't know. Could be another RSN. The Blackhawks, the Bulls, and the White Sox could start their own network. Who knows where streaming is at that point? A lot of things are in play. Yeah. So, kind of the rub was, from the Blackhawks' perspective, how do we guarantee three years after the two are up with NBC Sports Chicago uh, and that money that we owe him if the new RSN isn't on board or the, you know, the other RSN that is bidding it has a different idea of how they want to take it. Um, I think the counter from the Olchek camp was that current broadcasters on the payroll with the Blackhawks had longer than two-year deals that would go into the uh, the next TV deal. And so once you have that going, it, it sort of sets a precedence. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you got a five-year guaranteed deal from one place and really, in essence, a two-year deal from another. Um, yeah. That's where I think, you know, the, the – the miscommunication or the breakdown really occurred. Right. And I think that that might be the difference too, is because, you know, I'm sure if you're, if you're Edzo, you're thinking, you know, I want, I want to be taken care of by my own town. You know, why is there someone else that's giving for providing longer term, longer guaranteed term, and maybe more salary as well. Now, I, I don't think this came down to a dollars and cents decision. I think it came down to just the principle of, of everything, the late negotiation talks and, and the fact that, you know, Edzo was allowed to, to kind of speak to Seattle prior to his contract being expired. Now, I will say this, to be fair, I was told by a team source, and I believe this to be true, that Edzo's overall salary was was lower than his previous years, but his, it was it paid at a higher per game rate um, because his previous contracts, he was paid for all 82 games, whether he did them or not, uh, because he had national TV duties. So, so the Blackhawks raised his per game rate but he wasn't being paid for all 82 games and you know they felt like his national salary kind of offset that I don't really have a problem with that from, from the Blackhawks point of view because they have to also pay the fill-in broadcaster right yeah. so like you know I, I don't really have a problem but I wanted to point that out from the Blackhawks uh, side of things and then I also want to mention this obviously Eddie by all accounts um, is going to Seattle um, five-year deal it sounds like 
couple other things. I think it's important to, uh, to factor in the human side of this, and you mentioned Nick Olchek. Uh, it's my understanding that the Blackhawks really were working to, uh, to keep Nick in the fold and that that was, that was in place if Eddie had accepted the, the contract. So this wasn't a, you know, if Nick doesn't have a job, you know, and, and right. you know, he's got a position, a different position with Seattle. That's not the case. Both teams, from my understanding, had positions in place for Nick uh, and were addressing that, uh, which, which is an important factor. Other, other part of this equation, Eddie's 55. Uh, I think it's well documented that, he hates to fly and hates to travel, which is odd because he's in the air more than a pilot yeah. um, with his duties, not only for the Blackhawks, but for TNT, previously NBC Sports. So, you know, I think that part of him wanted that, that security of that five-year deal yep. and the ability to figure out if, okay, at age 60, am I going to just do the national broadcasts, or in three or four years, am I going to go to Ron Francis or Rick Olchek and say, hey, look, this is just too much. I, I'm, I'm going to just transition. But he wanted to, in his opinion, he wanted to make that call. Mm. And I think some of the things that have gone on at, at 1901 West Madison uh, that aren't necessarily in the public eye, a lot of uh, jobs have been lost and shifted and changed over there. People that are you know, not public figures, not on TV, uh, not in hockey ops, not players, uh, several. And, and I think part of, of Ed's un, Eddie's uncertainty was seeing some of the people that he's known from back in his playing days or at least the last 16 years, seeing them displaced, lose their job, and he may have felt like, well, that could be me in two years. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. I think it's a fair point as well because – so obviously too, like we mentioned Pat Foley earlier, like Pat Foley, that was obviously Edzo's longtime partner. And then you kind of see the changes that are going on around where the Blackhawks are getting younger and they want, you know, um, they just want to be more social media savvy. So like, did Edzo see the writing on the wall that after two years, they might go in a different direction and, and that, you know, that's all, I'm sure that all played a, a role in it. And that's why, you know, when you look at Seattle's offer and they, you know, the guaranteed five years, I'm sure that was way more appealing because they were kind of like, hey, no matter what happens, you're going to be here for five years, even if you have opportunities elsewhere to potentially get into management. I'm sure, I'm sure that was part of the discussion. Yeah, well. and you mentioned Pat, and, and, and it, was, it was great that Pat got a send-off like he did at the United Center. And unfortunately, Eddie will have to wait till he comes in, either with Seattle or doing a national game, to get that recognition uh, from, from the Blackhawks faithful. He will get it. Yeah. Um, I said it on Cap Cap's show, Unfiltered, the, the other night. I said, you know, losing two Chicago icons like Pat and Edzo, is it the hockey gods prepping us for two Hall of Fame icons, the dynamic duo of Taves and Kane, for them to exit Chicago? Like, I don't think that's a stretch that, like, you know, these unprecedented times – you know, once, you know, we've seen the, 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 the changes that were made, um, it, it seems like Taves and Kane are, are probably on their way out. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy to think that 
in, in possibly a year's time, two icons in the booth and two icons on the ice are going to exit. And oddly enough, 16 seasons for Edzo in the booth. This is year 16 for Kane yeah. and Taves. Well, I was going to mention that when Pat Foley ended up leaving, I think that that kind of steeled, at least from my perspective, it steeled me to this idea that anybody ends up being movable, right? Like when Pat Foley, a titan of this industry, is allowed to kind of go out and you know retire the way that he did, it kind of makes it seem like, well, change is kind of in the air, right? And you kind of had that vibe with Eddie Olchek as well. And I have to tell you, yeah, it's just kind of, it seems like it's cascading into one thing after another. And not to get overly philosophical, but I guess the only certainty in life is change. And yeah, it's just kind of getting hammered home over and over again, whether it's Foley or Debrinkit or when they traded Duncan Keith, it just has all been down the line. And yeah, it all just kind of, it seems to be funneling in that direction. Direction. And I, I completely see it. And it was really the Foley thing that kind of made me realize, yeah, this all could, you know, end soon. And it's kind of wild to kind of come to grips with that after all the success that this team has had. I feel like it's a little depressing, too, like how quickly this is all happening. Like, think about where we were at last summer where, like, we didn't know it was going to be Pat Foley's last year. We didn't know that this was going to be next, that a year from now it would be the start of a rebuild, that Alex Debrinkit would be traded and Kirby Doc would be traded and, Dylan Strom would, would walk as a free, like, and then no Edzo. Like, all of this is happening so quickly that it's kind of like, it, like, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze might not be far behind. And then, you know, two years from now, we might be like, holy cow, like, how did we get here so quickly? So, change is upon us. Yep. Uh, and, you know, the Hawks have taken a PR hit, certainly with, with Edzo exiting. Uh, who do you think will replace him? And how do you think they'll go about it? It certainly won't be like we saw last year with the, you know, the rotation of several different play-by-play voices uh, kind of in a tryout type of thing, I don't think, uh, and and eventually landing on Chris Foster. So I think he's going to do a great job. Um, But it's important who they put with him, especially at this time uh, for this franchise. So give me some names and and some thoughts on that. Yeah, so I mentioned this on on the uh, unfiltered segment that never saw the light of day yesterday because it was not really uh, to me it smelled of an Emmy performance. I didn't want to tell you that. Uh, and it it pained me when Edzo at the last minute decided to join us and that meant uh, your segment was dead. And I was, you, you apologize for it. I was like, do not apologize because we got we got the man himself Edzo on um, last minute. So that was great. But I mentioned, I, I think last year was was really tough on on Chicago fans. Just the rotation of broadcasters. Like I think even just as a as a sports fan in general, I like to know who exactly is going to be on the call that night. I'm going to feel a comforted voice, right? And I think the Blackhawks kind of trying to find Edzo's replacement. Chicago fans would appreciate just like consistency, like sure. not you know Chris Vosters. We already know he's going to be the full time play by play guy. Great choice. I love Chris, and now it's just pairing him with the right person. And I think a voice and a face that fans really know is very important. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did kind of reach out to former players to, to kind of get uh, a sense of what their interest level is on the job. I am hearing the early front runner is Troy Murray. Um, if his health, obviously bar- barring his health that, that he can do it uh, full time. Uh, and so that would potentially open up a spot at, uh, as a color radio analyst, you know, then we can get into that debate. Um, I wouldn't expect Patrick Sharp uh, to be to be uh, the permanent guy. Uh, I heard that he is likely going to be some uh, a fill-in uh, occasionally. Um, 
and I know, but but I, I'm not sure. I uh, I'm not sure he's going to be the, the full time guy. So I would kind of rule that out. And I know Colby Cohen has done a great job for us here at NBC Sports Chicago. I think they I think they would like to have someone between the benches next year. And I think Colby is that guy, and, and he can kind of be that. Um, kind of be that that bridge uh, mm-hmm. be- between uh, everything and obviously he'll he'll do studio work. So, yeah, uh I so we'll, we'll see where it goes, but I think Troy Murray is, is probably the early front runner, I would say. Um but we'll see kind of how this process develops because it's obviously very early in the process. I would love to see a guy like Troy Murray. I think that'd be fantastic if they wanted to go a little bit off board and kind of try to go with somebody with that kind of <laughs> national recognition. I know you were talking about consistency. I personally think just try to go out there and get a really strong hockey voice that a lot of fans know. Why not give Brian Boucher a call and see if he wants to join up with the broadcast? I know that he's got a lot of national responsibilities. He does some local stuff as well. I think Brian would be fantastic in the booth. I love him in studio also. I think he's a really talented broadcaster. And then if you have Kaylee Chelios, say, fill in on those games that Brian's doing the national stuff, I think that would be a really good step. And I think getting somebody with that kind of pedigree would be absolutely fantastic if they got a guy like Brian it's it's tough shoes to fill just like on the play-by-play side so you know whoever is you know don't expect Edzo 2.0 I don't think that's fair to whoever this person is Uh, give them an opportunity uh, to you know let their voice marinate with the fans and and you know take us and navigate us on this this rebuild I do agree with you that a familiar face a trusted face or voice. Um, it seems like it's almost paramount with where things are at right now. And I, I don't want to overstate that, but I kind of feel that's where we're at right now. I feel like they're, you know, the fan base looking at the reaction to, you know, Edzo's departure, there's a lot of venom out there. And uh, I'm not saying that's should be the sole focus of your hiring practice. Well, for it, this particular role, it kind of needs to be a big part of it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a lot of names out there. The one that, that to me, was a slam dunk that checked every box is Patrick Sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, a, he's got the equity with the fan base. Mm-hmm. He's beloved by the fan base. He won three Stanley Cups here. He left the NHL and went directly into broadcasting, ascended to a high level at the national level, and really by his own choice decided to throttle it down this past year. He moved recently with his wife and two daughters to Connecticut, uh, and you know they're at an important juncture in school where they were trying to figure out, all right, they're going to go to middle school and eventually high school here, or are they going to do it on the East Coast? And so they moved their way there, and um, I think that's a major component of Patrick's life right now. Uh, there's also this opportunity where I, he's really good at it. Yeah, He's hard on yeah. himself. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, uh, as a guy who sat with him and has done uh, several shows with him and has done several shows with – you know, tens and dozens of, of pro athletes over the years, uh, y- you know, he's in the team photo as one of the best and one of the quickest to pick it up. Uh, and it doesn't surprise me that how he beat himself up as a player is kind of how he attacks the broadcasting part of it. And, and to me, the biggest thing would to convince him would be replacing Eddie. Like, because I know he thinks so much of Eddie Olchek that – 
that that would be part of his process. Like, you know, do you want to be the guy to replace Johnny Carson? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to yeah. be the guy to replace Eddie Olchek? And, uh, boy, dating myself there. Kids, <laughs> if you don't know who Johnny Carson is, <laughs> Google it. <laughs> um, but so I, I do feel that, you know, Sharpie would be, in my mind, the perfect fit. The equity with the fan base, really good at it has already done it. I don't need to I, – I can just – I've got tapes and, 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 and several you, you, YouTube clips and you name it where I can just go watch his work. I don't need to try him out. I've seen it. So, mm-hmm. to me, Patrick, if it fit into his family life and what he wants to do, I would love to see that. You know, there's, there's 82 games – Let's say the national TV package picks up 10. Now we're talking 72. If Patrick agreed to do 50, and then I gave the other 22 to a Troy Murray, or he gave 45 and, and, and the rest go to Murray, um, I think that would be a really solid tandem, a trusted tandem, one that shows you know, one that played in the 80s and 90s and, and one that played in the 2000s and won three cups. And, and together, uh, you're covering, you know, three decades uh, plus of, yeah. of fans yeah. and a ton of equity that's been built up with the fan base. And then, then you have to do the fill-in stuff on the radio side. I'm not smart enough to figure that stuff <laughs> out. Uh, I'll leave that to, to uh, different minds. But that to me, you know, Patrick jumps off the page – but that's a big question mark about where he is at in his life and, and, and what you know, he wants to do with his family. Right, no question. I, I think, too, obviously the cachet that he has with the fan base, but he's, he's also got a, a personality to him that would be fun on the broadcast. Obviously, we already know that we've kind of beat a dead horse over this, that it's going to be some trying times. So not everything needs to be kind of serious over these next few years. So like kind of just having fun on the broadcast and allowing, you know, even if the Blackhawks are having a tough night on the ice, at least the broadcast is kind of just playing around. Like, it feels like Chris Vosters can really work with anyone. And so, you know, just having some fun on the air um, while also kind of entertaining the fan base while things are going on off the ice. And that synergy between the broadcast booth and hockey ops is really important during a yeah. rebuild. And I think we're going to see that with whoever lands the job. And the fact that Brian Campbell uh, is a former teammate of Patrick's that, uh, you know, he knows Norm, that he certainly knows Kyle over the yeah. years, that he began his career in Philadelphia and Luke Richardson was on that team. So there's a lot of ties where they're on the plane having a conversation like, this is why we're bringing up so-and-so from Rockford, or this is why uh, we decided to target that player at the trade deadline as a prospect. And then bring that to us on the broadcast. I think that's going to be a big part of the next few years. Again, whoever takes over for Edzo. I think Pat. Uh, I think uh, Pat Boyle's going to end up being uh, an occasional fill-in analyst. What do you think? <laughs> no, no, that will not happen. I, I do know that. I can guarantee that. I, I echo everything you said about Patrick Sharp. By the way, just absolutely spectacular job as soon as he got into the broadcast booth and into the studio I thought that he was absolutely fantastic and I gotta be honest Charlie the only reason I wasn't like yeah Troy Murray I was just like 
him, he and John Weideman have such a good thing going. It's so hard for me as like a, you know, a fan of just really good announcing tandems. That'd be a tough one to break up permanently. So I really liked Pat's idea of kind of splitting it up and giving me a little bit of the John and Troy experience too. Thank you, Pat. You convinced me on that. <laughs> all right. All right. Any other uh, parting shots or anything you uh, want to get out there? I will say, um, this is totally on an unrelated note, but after we get done here, I'm going to be interviewing Dylan Strom. I got a little phone conversation with him. Um, we're going to kind of reflect on his time in Chicago and um, not being extended a qualifying offer, but also like being a free agent for the first time in his career and, and a new chapter in Washington. So look for that to be on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, I believe I'm going to drop it on Wednesday morning. So that'll be fun to kind of catch up with him. Um, he knows a lot of people on that Washington team. He does. He got <laughs> yeah. Eric Gustafson, Henrik Borgstrom, um, who else am I missing? Is TBR still he there? He played play with uh, in Arizona. Who did he play with? I'm trying, trying to. There was a lot of connections yeah. out of the gate. Yeah, but I know, uh, I know, OHL connection as yep. well. I guess it's like that with any player who's you know in their mid twenties. Yeah. But, but it's funny that three Blackhawks went to, to Washington, yeah, like that too. were UFAs. Um, I, I, I'm curious what uh, he'll tell you about his good friend Alex DeBrinket and and, and yeah. that transition because by all accounts on social media. Uh, what Ottawa is showing us, whether fake or not, because on draft day, they ch- Charlie, you sniffed that one out. I Dorian, sniffed it out. You yep. know what? I sniffed it out, and I, I didn't sniff it out uh, based on the um, the fact that he was holding up his cell phone, and I could see, like, oh, he's not on the phone with anyone. What really tipped me off was when he ended the phone conversation. I'm like, he didn't even give Kyle a chance to say bye or thank yeah. you. Or whatever. It, was, it kind of felt like it was leaving a voicemail. So then I replayed the I replayed the video and I was like, he's not even talking to anyone like on the phone. So that was really that felt real staged. I'm convinced it was staged. And oh, it geez. felt like it felt like it was a way for Ottawa to kind of look, hey, look, Pierre Dorian was in control of this the whole time. All right, Kyle, you want to get Norm on it? Okay, great. Well, we're gonna send you over the paperwork. We're gonna it's like, who is in control here? Like, why are you making Kyle look like like and, and look, he was kind of like, okay, sure. I, I know that's where we're at in sports where, you know, the fans – and I, look, I'm the first one. You give me a behind-the-scenes of, of a co-ed volleyball league, I'll be watching it. You know, I'm, you know, I, I'm that guy. Uh, but it seems like they're forcing the issue in Ottawa. Even when Alex came on Friday – and then, you know, they're, like, following him around. And Dorian is not exactly Ryan Seacrest in front of the, uh, in front of the camera. He's very giddy. Very yeah, giddy. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, he, he's probably panicked after, you know, Charlie Romeliotis uh, uh, unearthed with full-on Zapruder film on it. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I actually uh, the, the, the next day, I was trying to get on the Alex DeBrinkett uh, conference call or the, the Zoom call, and I emailed the Ottawa PR pretty late in the process, so this isn't whatever, but... They didn't. They didn't respond back to me. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I wonder if they're trying to make a point yeah. that, like, don't let yeah. this Charlie guy and he he snuffed out our staged <laughs> Pierre Dorian phone call. By the way, uh, cutest niece award oh, goes to uh, Charlie Romeliotis's sister. Yep, uh, baby number two. Yeah, yeah, Marissa Francesca. I'm glad you mentioned that because I remember we did a parting shots a year and a half ago when my first niece was was born, um, Valerie, and so now I'm, I'm, I get to an opportunity to share the love with Marissa, little Marissa. Um, so yeah, I was, I, I, gotta, I don't was, know. Can we, can we get a picture? Here? Oh, can we get a picture? Look at that. She got a full head of hair. She's rivaling she me. Absolutely. <laughs> has the Romeliotis jeans. She, she's taken I mean, over. Have you ever, how many days old is she? <laughs> she literally was born on, on Saturday morning. So okay, that's so she's not even a week man. old. And that Look is at that. luscious <laughs> salad. That is jet black. That is going to look great. 
walking the streets of Greece one day. <laughs> Absolutely. And I will say, I, I was trying to... I was trying to get there a little bit earlier, and then the Edzo stuff broke. So I, I oh well, you know that. And like, by the way, we inevitable. have a uh, we have a a, a, a uh, NBC Five Telemundo NBC Sports Chicago get together on Thursday we on do. a boat. Oh, don't want to tell you where it is because we don't. You know, we don't. We don't, don't want to be signing autographs yeah, all day. Yeah. Don't need the paparazzi there. Um, but uh, you can. Better believe there will be some sports at breaks during that window because every time we do yep. something, there that were, happens. There were two major trades that went down on our previous two pre-COVID. It was the Jose Quintana trade from the uh, the White Sox to the Cubs, and then it was Marion Hosa's contract being traded to Arizona. <laughs> and I was literally on the boat, and we hadn't pulled off yet. And I had to step. I was like, I Just I need to get out of here. Keep you off the water, man. So, That's clearly the lesson here. I'm a little surprised that the Edzo news didn't drop on Thursday because that would have really thrown a wrench in our schedule, but there could potentially be some moves happening. Are you telling so. me Johnny T.A. is going to talk? Uh, uh, you know what? Boy. Who knows? All right. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Blackhawks Talk podcast. Our thanks to Eddie Olchek for joining us and for giving us 16 great years here in Chicago as the soundtrack of three championship teams. Uh, for James Nouveau, Charlie Romeliotis, and everybody on the Blackhawks beat, I'm Pat Boyle. Thanks for listening and watching. We'll catch you next time. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.